0: Please turn your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, we are continue to move through this, uh, this book of slowly. This is God's Word, so every word is important. We cannot uh, say more than what God says, but we dare not say less than what God says as well. We dare not just uh, gloss gloss over these passages. There's so much rich Truths here that we need to look at, and we have to go slowly to do that. So First Timothy chapter four and verse six. In pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the word of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following. But have nothing to do with worldly fables. Fit only for old women. On the other hand. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For dis- bodily discipline. Is only of little profit. But godliness is profitable for all things. Since it holds promise for the present life. And also for the life to come. It is a trustworthy statement. Deserving of full acceptance. Let's just stop right there. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the privilege of opening this word um, and gleaning from its truths. Thank you for the direction it gives us for life. Just the thought of living a life that can please you. It exhilarates us. It motivates us. Lord, you have given your all to us, all for us and Lord, we are motivated by Your love to to live for You. And You tell us how to do that right here in Your Word. And Lord, as we we read this and expound on this passage, pull things out of this passage that, uh, that need to be brought to our attention, help us each one to apply it to our own life. Many applications to be made. And then may our lives be changed and glorified and honored this week. As a result of being here today. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now Paul has. Um, he is already warned. And he he is warning Timothy of the false teachers. Uh, in chapters 1 and chapters. Uh, at the beginning of chapter 4. And uh, he's warned. That's one of the elements of this book. is Is having warned them. He now has turned his attention to the leadership and the godliness of the leadership and the uh, the pattern that is to be set by the leaders in godliness, the example they are supposed to be to the church, and the church is explained being the pillar and support of the truth. And that just there's a weightiness to that. That's why our lives are so it is so important for our lives to be godly. And that pattern of godliness be seen in the church and be exemplified in, by the leadership of the church. Because we are the pillar in support of the truth. Paul having said these things now turns his attention to Timothy. To Timothy. Timothy is, is the elder of the church. He is an elder among elders. There were other elders at this church. They were teaching. But Paul has given Timothy the responsibility to do the, the primary teaching of the church. He is the pastor of this church in Ephesus. Now, Timothy was also a young man. Young relatively. He was 30, 35 uh, years old. And and Paul wanted to give him some direction for his ministry, for his life um, in in the church. And in doing so, in giving Timothy direction, he's also giving the church direction, isn't he? That's kind of what he's doing. Now you can imagine the expectations on Timothy. Uh, he had been traveling with Paul as a missionary for some 15 years, for a good long time. And he had been out saving the world. He had been uh, just uh, doing spectacular things in uh Mediterranean area. And now he finds himself pastoring this church. And it may not have been a, a huge church. It wasn't the church in Jerusalem or the church in Antioch. And he is, this, he is the pastor now. What is he to do? What is he to do? I mean, he knows that, that Christ said, I will build my church. But God uses, Christ uses men to do that. And Timothy is certainly a, a servant of God, servant of Christ. He also understands that, that God is sovereign, that God is going to bring to him those whom he wishes. But also, he knows the human element as well. In fact, what you have here in this passage is the combination. Christ is building his church. But the question is, and what Paul instructs us here, he, he, God uses men. He uses men to to develop the church, to come alongside the church and lead the church. And Timothy now finds himself doing just that, shepherding a church. What is he to do? What is his goal? Where does he start? What is his plan for church growth? What does he do on a daily basis? Who does he listen to? Now, so... Paul is giving him instruction, but really this instruction, you remember back, he's giving this instruction. This instruction is actually coming from God himself, but it's through the Apostle Paul. Now, it's really interesting. Timothy, in his circumstances, you would think, well, God will just talk to me directly and tell me exactly what to do on a daily basis. It's not the way it works, is it? God communicated to Paul. Paul wrote these things down. He wrote a letter to Timothy and instructing Timothy and so Timothy was he was he was bound by this letter by these words and so where does he start with this awesome responsibility I mean what is where does he spend his time where does he spend his focus now I want you to see verses 6 all the way down to verse 16 really as one unit and we'll be looking at these over the next few weeks But uh, we need to see it as one unit of thought that Paul is instructing now Timothy. He is bringing his attention to Timothy. What Timothy is to do. How he is to shepherd. How he is to lead this flock as as the primary teaching elder. And he has the authority based upon the apostle Paul behind him. So this letter to Timothy, this letter may have Timothy's name on it, but it's really a wonderful description of how the church is to function, what the church's priorities are to be as far as the pastor. And it always comes back to emphasizing the power of the Word of God. That's the change agent. That's the the element of the church that is so important that we continue to uplift the power of the Word of God. Now here's what I want you to see. The good servant of the living God is one who minimizes the distractions of the world and focuses on pleasing God. Now, that's the principle. If you want to be a good servant of a living God, a good servant of the living God is going to minimize the distractions of the world and focus upon pleasing his master, pleasing, pleasing God. And the question that Paul answers for us in this passage is what makes a person, a good servant of God, now you have to understand the way Paul is using the word servant there is is um by means of timothy's office that he was in was the shepherd, but I want to broaden that out all of us in some way are shepherding shepherding someone a, a wife or children or we're bringing someone else along. How are we to be good shepherds? What is the details of that, of that? I mean, we know we, we don't get distracted by the world and we focus upon God, but how does that look on a daily basis? What does that look like? I think pastors today have the understanding, have the idea. They can just go into the church and basically do whatever they want as long as they bring in the crowds. And unfortunately, I think that's what we see in many churches. And so for the next two or three weeks, we're going to just focus upon what God wants for the pastor, the shepherd, the the teacher of the church. But really, we can all learn from this. These are lessons, principles that we can all apply to our own heart and our own mind. Let's look at number one. The good servant sees himself as the servant of the living God with the goal to please his master. It's the way He sees Himself. Look at verse 6. In pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Now that's an important statement. In fact, that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the passage. A good servant. That's the that's the highest thing that anybody can be called as a servant of the true and living God. The God of creation. For every believer, the highest goal is to be a servant. What we all want to hear is, Well done, thou good and faithful what? Servant. A good and faithful servant. The word good there means noble or excellent. He, he does things right. Doing things the right way. That servant is, is doing the right things in the right way. He, was a, he does things by the book. You, you know the old... Uh, uh, the typical stereotype of the, the, uh, drill sergeant, just by the book, does everything exactly the way he's supposed to do it. And he uses the word diakonos, servant, it's kind of a general term for servant, and is emphasizing the, the usefulness of this servant. He's very useful, very, because he's doing everything he is supposed to do, God can use him in all kinds of different areas. Very useful. And excellent in their usefulness usefulness in the cause of Christ. Now look down at verse 10. For it is for this we labor and strive. Now this again is clarifying this focus for us. uh, That we strive because we have fixed our hope on the living God. A servant is is always looking at his master. He's focused upon this living God, his master, his owner. And then in verse, well, let's skip down to verse fifteen, taking pains with these things. Man, he's really disciplined. He really he wants to please God. He wants to be this good servant. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them. So that your progression will be evident to all. In fact, Timothy, I want it to, to point that, uh, your spiritual growth, the things that, uh, you are up there doing, I want people to see you growing in this area. And that's a little humiliating. That's a little humbling. I, you know, most pastors, they come in, they, man, they, you just think they got it all together. Paul says, no, I want them to see your progress, Timothy. And in verse 16, pay close attention to yourself. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear. That's it, isn't it? That's a good shepherd. That's what a pastor is supposed to do. If he's a good servant of God, he does these things. And he's going to, he's going to save lives and to ensure salvation, Paul says, for both yourself and for those. Man, that's, that's a lofty goal. It's a lofty goal for a, a servant. So, you, Timothy, you're just a servant here. And in pointing out these things, you're going to be a good servant. So there's conditions on this servanthood. You can be a bad servant or a good servant. Timothy, I want you to be a good servant. And if you do this, you're going to be that good servant, he says. And pointing out these things. It's a conditional clause there. In fact, this whole passage is just full of conditions. If you do this, then you're going to wind up being a good servant. You're going to be the kind of servant God can use and the kind of servant that is going to please God. So Paul builds on this whole idea of Timothy being a good servant. The thing is, and what's most important, is that Timothy has to have that in his own heart. There has to be some kind of uh, internal motivation for Timothy to want to please God. To want to uh, see God as his his God, as his master. And he is a servant. He He must want to hear the... Words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Doesn't he? And in doing that, he becomes significant. In doing that, he is, he is not merely doing just the mundane things. He turns the mundane things into things that are important. Why? Because he's a servant of God. These are things that, that God wants him to do. He is pleasing God with them. So Timothy, he just can't do anything he wants to do if he's going to be a good servant and he's got to do these things this is the this is the requirements of a good ser, a good servant of god shows commitment doesn't it shows commitment i have to ask that of my own self am i committed do i see myself as a servant of the true and living god you know then anything everything becomes significant if you're serving god if god has put you in this place be a good servant. If you're down teaching children, you're the only one in the room, the only adult in the room, you can be a good servant. You can be a servant that is, that is pleasing to God. And what you are doing is significant and it matters to God. Now, all the difference in the world when we see ourselves as servants, servants of God, But the problem is, as many times, that is not our goal. Many times, and most of the time, if we admit to it, uh, many times our our goal is just to please our own self, maybe to please uh, someone, and and I'll take this class and try to please them, um, or to just keep the peace or keep the calm or whatever goal or whatever motivation. But listen, our motivation, our heart has to be, the goal of our heart has to be to be a good servant of Jesus Christ. That has to be our focus. He is our focus. He calls the shots. We don't really, really care. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. We listen to His voice. We listen to His voice. The thing is, it has to be real. Do you see yourself as a servant of God? Is it real in your life? Or are you still focused upon self? Are you still trying to please God? Your own self or maybe trying to please others as opposed to pleasing, pleasing God. We have to ask that of ourselves. That is the starting point. I cannot be any old husband I want to be. I have to be the husband that God wants me to be because I'm His servant. I cannot just be any old father that, that, uh, that the society can crank out. No, I have to be the father that God wants me to be because I'm His servant. You see, it applies to every part of our life that is the starting point for everything. I have to be the neighbor that God wants me to be. I have to be the son that God wants me to be, the brother that God wants me to be. It all starts right here. God calls the shots. And it's because it's because we submit ourselves to Him. We are under His judgment. He is the Creator. We are just... We're just here serving Him. So we do this humbly and we do this with with the right focus. We focus upon Him. What does He think about my pastoring, Timothy may say? What does He think about my fathering, my fatherhood? What does God think about the way I'm dealing with my children? What does God think about the way I'm handling my work situation? Well, if God is not your master, if you are not the servant of God, it doesn't matter to you. So that's the place to start. And it did matter to Timothy. It did. And Paul, Paul points that out. Timothy, I know you want to be a good servant. And here's how. Here's how to do it. Number two. Number two. The good servant points to others to God's truths. Points others to God's truth. A good servant points others to God's truth. The very beginning of verse six, in pointing out these things. So that's the condition, Timothy. If you point these things out, then you'll be a good servant. It's a conditional clause there, and uh, the the uh, the command is what Timothy is supposed to do to to be a good servant is to point these truths out to out to his parishioners, out to the brethren. And what truths would that be? Well, the first context there is um, in the immediate context is verse four, chapter four, is the uh, the false teachers that are producing apostasy. Point these things out to the brethren. But I think it broadens out to all of chapter three, really the whole uh, the whole letter to Timothy. He is pointing you point all of these things out to the brethren. Now the word point out there is. Is to remind them of these things. Or, or to make these suggestions to them. It's definitely not uh, commanding them or forcing them to obey. That's not the idea at all. It's a gentle, humble persuasion of these things. You're pointing these things out. Why? Because they have the same motivation. You just point these things out. And and man, they'll make the life corrections that they need to make. Why? Because God is their God as well. God is their master. They are servants too. And if you point these things out, they're going to come alongside. They're going to do what is right. So to Timothy, he is to fulfill his responsibility as a pastor, as a shepherd of the sheep, to point these things out. Now... You don't measure a shepherd by how well he pets the sheep, do you? And how he just, he just kind of uh, coddles them. No, you, you judge a, a shepherd by the way he takes care of the sheep, by the way he feeds them, by the way he protects the sheep, by his warnings of the sheep, by the way they grow and mature and become stronger and become healthy. That's the judge of a good, a good shepherd And Timothy is to warn them of danger. He is to warn them of danger. Of all the unbiblical teaching and unbiblical things that are out there. In fact, what is it we learned last week? These come really from as doctrines of demons. Doctrines of demons and Timothy is, or Paul is saying, Timothy warned them. Satan is, is on the attack. He is spreading lies like wildfire. And you have to point these things out to the, to the brethren. Point out the error in teaching. Point out the, the dangers that are in the world. Point out also the promises of God. Point out the commands of God. Point out his works, his attributes, as I already talked about this morning. We point to God. To God's truth. But God's truth. As a pastor, Timothy was fulfilling, is to fulfill his responsibility, at least to, to inform the, sh- the flock, to warn them, to tell them, to give that, that message out. What they do with it is their responsibility then. The thing is, today, it's not really politically correct for somebody to say, ah, you need to do this. Or you need to. It's not politically correct for anyone to stand in judgment over me. Boy, nobody's gonna tell me how to live life. That's that's the attitude today. But you know, for a believer, it's it's not like that, is it? Believer's not out saying, I'm gonna do what I want to do. No, the believer, the believer. Is is eager to hear from God, is eager to to be pointed in the right direction, and so it's a suggestion, it's a reminder. Now, now God thinks this way. This is the way we're to do these things. This is what God says, and we bring others along. So He is not only a, a good servant and, and focusing upon Himself as a servant, but He also points out the things. Of God to other people. Number three, the good servant is constantly feeding himself on the word of God. Look at verse, um, the end of verse six constantly nourished on the word of the faith and of the sound doctrine you have been following. Now, if Timothy is the pastor of the church and the church is the pillar of Truth, as we saw in chapter 3, if it is the pillar and support of the truth, the truth from God, then somebody's got to know that truth. Somebody's got to know that truth. And, and Timothy, as a good servant of God, you've got to be nourishing, constantly nourished in the, in the word. I mean, if we're going to combat the doctrines of demons... If, we are not going to, if we're going to be a church that's not carried about by every wind of doctrine, Paul says in Ephesians, then, then somebody has to know the truth. Somebody has to be nourished uh, on the truth, the Word of God. He has to be reading it. He has to be studying it and meditating on it, bringing it out into his life. He has to master its content. He says, "Paul says, on the word of the faith." That's just talking about the 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 body of uh, Christian truth, the whole thing, the, the whole body. Now, in Timothy's day, that would have included the Old Testament and probably maybe some of the gospels that have already been written at this time. Things that uh, that are solid, the 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 body of Christian truth. That would be the word of God, the word of God. Now, notice, on the word of the faith. It's the Word of of God here. This is the thing that we all put our faith in. And the sound doctrine or teaching which you have been doing. Now, he presents this idea that the doctrine here or the the Word is first. And then there's teaching from that. There's obviously dots that have to be connected in our life. There's, There's obvious teaching that comes from that. Doctrinal teaching. There's commands and things from Scripture Plus the, the whole um, doctrine of it. The, the theology that's behind it. The understanding of God. The understanding of man. The understanding of Christ and who He is. There's all of that. But it starts with the Scripture. Sound doctrine has to be rooted and grounded by Scripture. Proper exegesis of Scripture. Pulling things out of Scripture that are there in Scripture. And the, the teaching that Timothy has already been following, it's been coming from Paul, and Paul's uh mentored Timothy for these many, many years. And he says, I know you're already following these things, but continue in them. Continue nourishing yourselves in them. Now I'm afraid that there are other doctrines out there. There are systems of thought that are not based upon scripture, that are not exegetical. They're not. I mean, they're good moral things. They're good moral way to live maybe. They may even include Christ. They may include God. But, but they're not necessarily exegetical. Tim, Paul is telling Timothy, no, Timothy, dig down deep in the Word of God. Let everything come from that. And the emphasis is, is not on knowing how to communicate. Oh, that's a good thing. But knowing how to communicate is is kind of a sidetrack sometimes. Or contemporary issues. Boy, know the contemporary issues, Timothy. No, he didn't say that. We have contemporary issues all over the place. And everybody wants to know, what do you believe about this? What do you believe about that? Or cultural trends. Paul didn't say, know the cultural trends. And boy, those shift all the time. And a pastor has to be watching because those are the way Satan uh, introduces lies, these cultural trends. Or or he didn't even say, know the dynamics of your congregation, Timothy. No, he says, Timothy, know this word. This word is what is going to nourish you. This word is what's going to uh, build you up spiritually so that then you can feed other people. P- P- Timothy must be feeding himself. I believe that many churches are in error today because the pastors really don't know the Word of God. Now, they know the stories. They know David and, and Goliath. And they know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they know these, these stories of Scripture. But they lack the biblical knowledge that they, that they need to prevent error. Most of the time, it comes from minimizing the Word. Oh, they're busy about all kinds of things. And we can be. There's all kinds of good things that pastors can get involved in, from from um, uh, education to uh, to uh, government, uh, to uh, children's work, to feeding the poor, taking care of the homeless. There's all kinds of good things, but the preeminent thing is the word of God. I and mean, we dare not minimize that in any way. It has to be, it has to consume your life, essentially. There's no system of thought or, or philosophy that, that is healthier than the Word of God. And it all starts there, it comes from there. Proper exegesis, like I said. And a lot of people know the jargon. Oh, they know how to sound Christian. Um, my brother and I were talking this morning. He had a chance to go to a uh, a funeral uh, at a Jehovah's Witness church, and he said, "Man, he said it sounded pretty good. It sounded all right." And it really, got, that kind of surprised me. But uh, but you know what? That's what Satan is about. He w- he wants it to be so subtle. He wants it to be just so easy to accept he can make he can make falsehood look so innocent and we have to know so well not just the pastor but all of us have to be nourishing ourselves on in the word if you are a father you know that if you're going to communicate these truths to the your children you have to know them first you have to saturate yourself with the word if you're going to bring your wife along spiritually you have to know these principles if you are going to moms if you are going to teach your children you have to know these principles it can't just come from studying or, or listening to someone else's sermons or studying other books we have to be about this book we need to learn how to handle this book each one of us each one of us that is the source. This is the source for all of us. We have to learn to just methodically move through. You say, well, it's, it's hard. Sometimes I don't understand. Yeah, it, it might be. That's why you have uh, godly men in the church to, to say, hey, what about this? And what about that? We, we just, we're all in this together. We're all learning together. But the thing is, is, we have to know this word and it starts there. And I think you know this. I think this church is grounded on that. But I'm afraid sometimes we know our theology. We know this this body of of theology up here, but we don't know where it comes from. We don't know the nitty-gritties of the Word of God, the book, what's the purpose of the book, what's the flow of the book, what's the dangers and the commands in the book, what's the promises of the book. We don't know this word and sometimes, and I appreciate what Paige is doing so, so thoroughly. They've been on Ephesians for how long? A year at least. One book. And they're just, just going slowly through it and, and pulling out all of these things. That's, that's the life. That's the, what we are to be doing. And from that, we develop convictions in our own life that we communicate then to our children. To our families and then to our parishioners, those who are we're bringing along and shepherding and helping. All right, number four, and we'll uh, we'll conclude with this one. The good servant does not get distracted with worldly philosophies; he sticks to the truth. In verse seven, it says, "But have nothing to do with worldly fables, fit only for old women." On the other hand, dis- discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. That's not your focus, Timothy. Don't don't pay any attention. He says, have nothing to do with the word. Literally means to reject it. Just throw it out. Put it away. Turn turn over to Second Timothy chapter two, Second Timothy chapter two and verse twenty three. This is this is a proper way to put this same concept, this same idea. Just a few pages over. Paul says to Timothy in this book or this uh, letter, "But refuse, refuse foolish and ignorant speculations." That's exactly what it is—foolish and ignorant speculations. Know that they are; they produce quarrels. Just to refuse them, to reject them. Sometimes it's an honorable thing to just walk away from a foolish argument. And to say, you, you know what? I'm not going to debate these. This is just foolishness. So Paul says, and going back to 1 Timothy, he says to um, to have nothing to do with or reject these worldly fables. Worldly is is things that are um, that would corrupt holiness. Things that are separate from holiness. Things that are uh, holy that are set apart from the world. And it refers to. Anything that's contrasting the word of God, the truth, he says have nothing to have nothing to do with them. Just reject them. And he says fables or myths is the same word that we would get our word myths from. He says fit only for old women. And you think, well, man, that's a jab. Well, that would have been that would have been stated in uh, in this time. probably just a, a little cliche. But it was a, and it's a, it's a, a, a sarcastic slur. One commentary said for the uneducated, just referring to the, just the uneducated. The the women of the society were not allowed to be educated, and the older women especially. And, and what do they do then? They feed off of anything that they can get, and many times they, they pull these things together in their own head that that uh, are just kind of foolish. And so that's that was the stereotype. The uneducated, the unsophisticated, maybe even the senile. Things that were um, uh, disdainful, just just, uh, kind of lower. And that's that's the way we are to see worldly fables, the world's philosophy. It's it's, it's no good. It's not for us. It it, it contradicts the truth. We're not to just uh, go after it like it is something to guide our lives. But I tell you what. So many pastors do. The mind is, the mind is a precious thing that's given to us by God and it is to be educated. The mind is to be educated. The mind is to be disciplined. The mind is to be renewed. And God expects leaders to have pure minds that are saturated with the Word of God, that is disciplined to think biblically, to think like God thinks and not be distracted by the foolish teaching of the world and let me tell you the world is cranking out foolish teaching they've got an answer for everything you want to learn how to raise your kids the world's got an answer for that it's not going to be biblical you want to learn to be a good husband boy the world's got an answer for that it's not going to be biblical but they will always have answers satan will always have a lie to sell you he will always have an answer God expects leaders to have a pure mind saturated with the Word of God. There's no place for foolish, silly myths. You know what they really are? Doctrines of demons. Just subtle little lies from Satan. Doctrines that that pile up. Before you know it, you begin to think a certain way. You begin to buy into a certain philosophy. And Paul says, reject that stuff you you formulate your thinking from this book from this book reject anything else reject it this is absolute truth does the church really believe that we're dealing with absolute truth here his mind Timothy's mind had been renewed it can uphold the truth. Timothy, the first thing that Timothy had to do, what does he have to do? Recognize it, don't you? That's the hardest thing. Sometimes just recognize it. Is this good? Is this bad? I'm reading through uh, Facebook, and a little blurb comes up, and, and it, boy, it kind of sounds good. Kind of. But where is it coming from? And you have to evaluate it. You have to recognize: is this biblical philosophy? Is this biblical teaching and thinking? And sometimes it can be tricky. So we have to be very careful or not to study false teaching or not to delve into it. I know too many pastors that have just gone slippery slope just a s- small, steady um, uh, way to, to they just educate themselves in small little increments. And before you know it, their minds are, are just completely away from the Lord. Muddled thinking. Hopelessness. Worldly philosophy, and it can be so subtle. You say, "Well, you know, I don't, I don't listen to any, any, anybody else. I, you know, I just come to church, and, and that's all." But you know what? Um, worldly philosophy comes through music. <laughs> I grew up listening to country music, and, and by the end, after a while, you begin to realize, you know, the guy's not just talking about his dog dying, or you, you know his wife leave. I mean, there's there's a whole philosophy that's behind that, a whole shift, a whole a whole uh, wrong a system of thought. You say, well, I listen to Christian music. Well, let me tell you, you have to be careful with Christian music. Satan. That's exactly what he's going to do. He's going to get ev- all the Christians. So listen to this, this Christian music. Oh, it'll be good at first. And then to slip in a little lie, a little falsehood, a little uh, untruth. And we just listen to it. Boy, it's going on all the time. In our cars, in our offices, wherever we go. You know, in our restaurants. And, and before you know it, man, we're just buying into worldly philosophies. Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, recognize it and then reject it. Get it out. Doctrines of demons protect the flock from these kinds of these kinds of things. Now, instead of going on to number five, let's just let's just kind of pull it together. What about what about you? What about your life? Have you have you uh, started at the right place? Do you have a, a fear of God? Is God your master? Do you really want to please Him? That's where it starts. That's the starting place. And let me tell you some good news. You can please God. It's conditional. You do these things. You line yourself up with the Word of God, the teaching of God, and you can live a life that is pleasing to God. It's good here on this earth. And Paul's going to say, "We'll, we'll look at it next week. It's also good for eternity. That's wonderful. It's wonderful. We can go out of here being so arrogant and proud because we have the truth. And that's good. But we have to be careful, don't we? We know it's not within us. We know that we blow it. And you can know the truth. You can be like Peter and say, oh, I'll follow you wherever you go. You're the the son of the living God. And then what do we do? We go out and deny the Savior. That's That's our fickle kind of love. So there's no room for pride in the truth. We just hold to it. (laughs) We just hold to it. Be shaken by Satan, by every wind of doctrine that comes along, and all we have to do is stand. Sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank You for, again, these precious truths. Lord, make us good servants. Put that flame of desire in our heart that burns strong and hot for you to be a good servant of Jesus Christ. Lord, there's there's nothing greater. There's nothing better. There's nothing that's more important. I pray that that would be true about my own life. Lord, I've got so far to go. I read this passage, I preach this message, and I look at these things, and I think I'm not even worthy to get up here and say these words. So convicting. But Lord, just help us. Lord, we know that you have to work in the heart. You have to bring us along. and Lord, help us to stay true to the revelation that you have given us. And follow that, continue to follow that. And you continue to work in our life and bring us to the place you want us to be. Lord, help us to be good servants. Good servants. Doing useful things for your kingdom. Doing them by the book. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If we can help you in any way, if this is a sermon that has convicted your own heart, you may think, you may say, you know what, I need to start right at the beginning. I need to, I need to fall on my face and repent before, uh, before God and turn my life over to Him and be His servant. That's the place to start. As Christians, as believers, we have to be renewed. We have to have a renewed vigor for this Word. Let this God our lives. If we can help you, we'd love to be able to do that. My office is open anytime during the week. Um, You can stop by or today you can see me. Let's be a church that Paul can say, now that church is the pillar and support of the truth. Pillar and support of the truth. Father, that's our desire. Lord, help us to elevate your word to that point in our own life. let it start there and we pray in Jesus name, Amen.